Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you a friend that I met through a mastermind who is doing some really cool stuff. She's an architect and best-selling author of The Homeowner's Guide to Stress-Free Remodeling. And she's just a really cool person. Excited to introduce you to her. Her name is Emma Oriema McKay. Welcome, Emma. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Heidi. Thank you. Such a treat to have you. And as some of my listeners know, I'm in the process of doing a major remodel in a foreign country, which adds additional challenges. So it's exciting to have you on and in, in the context of just trying to understand how all of this works and how things have changed in the way that we design, create, implement, and take part in the process of creating our dream homes and work environments. So I would love to hear... Yeah, your impression of like how things have changed over the course of your career because of technology. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost embarrassing to say these days, when I started my career, we were actually producing drawings with pencils. And it was a kind of a fine art of how you drew the line because there were different line weights, different thicknesses of lines, and there was this little technique of twirling it to make the thinnest line. So, you know, before my time, even with Frank Lloyd Wright or Julia Morgan, she designed the Hearst Castle down on the California coast. I mean, that was a detailed, detailed project. And in, in those days, they just drew it by hand, and save for a multi-story drawing, they had to do multi-floor plans to do each level. And then if there were lighting information on it or heating and cooling information, well, I don't think they had all that in the Hearst Castle, but you know, in later times, that all had to be done over and over and over again. So it was really time, time consuming. And even in building the buildings at that time, you think of, we'll go back to the Hearst Castle, there, there were artisans working on the elements of that building. You know, a lot of them were imported from Europe who were refined in doing all that particular work. And over the years, you know, as technology developed with the building trades, a lot of that has become manufactured. But even going back to how we worked as architects, the kind of stepping stone after all that hand-drawn and replication of floor plans, we had this, well, it was hardly hard-tech technology. It was called the pin bar. It was a flat little strip, and we had holes in the top of our drawings, and this little strip had little pokes on it where you would put it in like a notebook. And so you drew one floor plan, and then you could do layers of your lighting or your HVAC and reflected ceiling configurations. So that saved a lot of time. But still in those days, we were transporting blueprints to the engineer so he could do his work. So there was still a lot of extra time that was added to our production time. And then came along CAD. <laughs> and that changed everything. It was a lot faster. It's you know, Everybody knows that term cut and paste. You would do basically one thing, and then you could cut and paste portions. 
There were libraries developed of particular details, so that saved an enormous time from, again, before we had the electronics, you had to draw every single detail by hand. And I remember going crazy <laughs> doing <laughs> sheets and sheets of working drawings, we call them. So, you know, that got how the contractors built from. So it, it's just kind of interesting how all that evolved. It's fascinating. And, you know, I'm sort of laughing to myself as you're talking about the, the pin bar. Recently, yeah. when we first started doing the work on our house, which we're basically, you know, we're taking it down to the studs. And, you know, the architect hadn't had a chance to finish the drawings yet because they didn't have all the levels, but they needed to know which walls to take down and which yes. places to go. And so I ended up having to do these hand-drawn sketches of the house and basically old school using graph paper underneath and the, you know, mm -hmm. the silk paper, what do you call that? Uh, the transparent paper over uh, it. Tracing paper. Tracing paper. Thank you. And doing layers and layers of that. And it was sort of the first layers like, okay, here's the base. Here's sort of where we want our, here's sort of intentionally where we would like to have the walls, but this isn't the final drawing, constantly emphasizing, this is not where we're going to have the final drawing, but at least giving them a sense of, you know, another layer of like, here's where bathrooms might be. So we need to have plumbing right. in these areas. And having to do that layer by layer and lining it up very carefully with tape so that when you looked at it, with all the layers combined, you could actually see all the different components together. And I mean, it's a very manual process to do that. And of course, you know, my measurements were far from exacting. But unfortunately, because of the slowness of the process, they're still working from my drawings that I did three months ago. <laughs> yes. So well, that's uh, kind of interesting, too, because you being there on site, too, I mean, this is what I think some people forget about. It's really kind of an organic process. You know, it evolves as you go along, you know, where I, I just, this was interesting conversation. This comes up. I, I was talking to a old college friend last weekend, who's also an architect and has been involved in developing, was on planning boards and the zoning board and all that kind of bureaucratic side. And, you know, we've got to submit our plans to be approved. But when he built his house, he had a set of approved plans, but day by day it changed. So he mm -hmm. had to resubmit later. But the point he made was that it's really an organic evolution of a building. And one thing I, I point, keep trying to bring back as I go through my program and introduce, uh, you know, what's going on in the remodeling process is, you know, you've got your plans, let's say, as a guideline, because you've thought through the process, how things are going to function and flow, and where plumbing is, and, you know, you do kind of the basics. But there's sometimes a lot of great surprises and opportunities that come along that you can change along the way. Absolutely. Like, for instance, yeah, there was one where we were framing up an entry to a home and the, the plan was for a stepped ceiling, but they saw the structure, the framing, it, it was around kind of a turret roof and they said, oh no, let's leave that out. So it's as you go along and remember too, there, the walls aren't all filled in. So if you're on your second story and you see a great view you weren't aware of, you can put a window in. So you know, the owner too ha has great participation and, and feedback as things go along. 
Absolutely. And had we gone based on the original drawings or the original structure that we saw when we purchased the house rather than what, you know, we had the advantage of taking it down to the studs. So it's, you open it up and all of a sudden realize you have these enormous, beautiful beams. And it's like, well, of course, we're not going to cover those up again. You know, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, until you know what's behind there, particularly when you're doing a remodel, you don't necessarily know what's behind there, especially if it's an old house, because some of that stuff you may not even have documentation for. Yeah, a lot of times we find that even if we have a set of drawings that show framing and everything, a lot of times it wasn't actually built that way. So (laughs) it's good to have a poke around in ceilings and walls to make sure, especially for the structure, because, you know, if you're in the midst of a project and you take a ceiling out to do something and you find the joists are going a different way, the whole structure may have to change. So, you know, again, you have to stop, recalculate, get the engineer involved, get an approval by the building department and and continue. So it's good to, you know, get a, try and see as much as you can what's going on. Absolutely. And another piece to that, I mean, it's, it's actually physically being there and seeing, but I would imagine that technology has really enabled sort of the whole team because there's so many different players in the process of doing a remodel. There's different ways that you can use technology to collaborate on that process and share information. How have you seen that change over time? Well, I think the fact that, again, we can electronically share our drawings, you know, we we don't have to always meet. We, we can just, you know, if we're on the other side of town, we can jump on these Zoom meetings and meet face to face. We can share the screen. So it's saving time and getting to one another's office. You know, still, you know, some things technology can't do where you're actually on site and seeing what's going on. But I think just in doing the process, there's things like when I used to do the as-built, so to say, where you go to the site and you have to do a survey. It was the old, what do you call it, the the measuring stick, you know. And now there's lasers that you can just shoot across the room and it will give you a dimension. So there's some tools like that that have made some of those kind of mundane chores a lot easier and faster. And I guess probably even more accurate, too. Yes, probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Is there a danger in that sort of too much information? And do you think it might stifle the creative process? Or do you think that that's helpful? I don't know that I'm not sure what you mean by too much information. Documenting the existing is really important. Because, you know, you document what's there, but like you had to do with your home, you know, kind of investigate too Mm -hmm. what is there. Because if you do want to take a wall down, it may not be, well, nothing's ever impossible, I Mm -hmm. say. You know, the engineer can figure that out. But just to know what to expect, and that, of course, is going to impact budget. So, you know, it's important to take a wall out, and it's going to involve replacing it with a structural beam. That's going to impact the budget. So it's just learning about all that you can do. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of so-called technology we can find out what's behind the wall or behind the drywall. I mean, because sometimes you get going and there you might find mold, there might be insects or things like that that aren't visible and you have to remedy that as you go along. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would imagine. I mean, those, you know, those organic pieces that we... Uh 
we don't anticipate can always be an unwelcome surprise. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, again, planning the budget, I always recommend to have a, a hefty con contingency fund. And that means whatever you're anticipating your construction costs to be and the fees and permits and all those other fees, add on another good 15 for any of those things that may come up so you don't have to worry about where the money is going to come from or or not doing what you intended to do just so you can move you know smoothly along and and get what you want because that's that's important as a, an individual that's doing you know that's remodeling a home and they've got sort of several different contractors doing different things what do you recommend that in terms of base knowledge points. I mean, obviously the, your contractors can send you PDFs and things like that, but do you think it's worthwhile for them to learn the basics and be able to read or even manipulate drawings potentially in sort of a simplified version like a SketchUp? Or is it better for them to leave it to the experts? What's your personal take on that? I would say leave it to the expert. I think it's good to, Here, here's the thing. You may have your plan. You say, okay, I want to just move this over here. But moving that over there can affect a whole domino effect. It can affect the structure. It can affect the plumbing. It can affect so many layers that, you know, the regular consumer will say won't understand. So you can probably rearrange what you want. You know, there's a reason for doing that. But I think with the professional can help get what you want, but just to make sure that everything else is in place. Because, you know, I, I give an example of this in, in my book that, okay, the, the guys are there working and you decide to change the location of the sink. If the ordered, the sink had a place in the cabinet. If the granite slab was ordered, there's a hole cut in the slab for the sink. There was probably a light planned above the sink. So by making that one change, everything else gets out of whack. That's mm. a simple, simple issue, but it can compound many, many problems. So I would always recommend talk to your professional you're working with and you know, let them guide you and, and do the changes just, just to make sure everything else works. <laughs> What are some of your favorite tips for giving people when they're about to embark on a major remodel or even a minor one for that matter? Yeah, yeah. I think two things. I've been calling it be fit. <laughs> you you want to have your finances, you know, know what your budget can be. And alluded to this a little bit, the amount of money you have isn't going to be the total amount you're going to have in construction because there are architectural fees, there's permit fees, there may be other county fees you're not aware of off the top of your head, and your contingency fund. So you take all those away, and that's going to be your budget. So whether you're going to be financing the remodel, or you've saved that up, you know, that will kind of establish it a little bit. And then to actually get an idea what the budget could be, there's a simple formula. It's the area you're intending to remodel in the square feet, like, you know, the one wall times the other wall will give you the square feet, and then times the cost of your local uh, cost per square foot. That varies a lot, but I think the national amount is something, oh, I don't know, say 250 to 350 a square foot. So that will give you an estimate of what you end up costing for construction. 
And then the other thing is, you know, have a clear idea of what you want to do. Not so set, because if you're working with an architect, they may have introduced some other ideas to be able to use the space you have even more efficiently than you've planned. You know, if you can have ideas what your goals are, how you like to use the space, and they'll, they'll give you you'll have a lot of interaction with your architect or designer to really dive deep down into a lot of, it's, it's almost emotional information that they'll want from you too, how you want it to feel, how you want it to look, what kind of light do you look, want. So it's a lot of layers of things to consider. And then the other thing is learn about the kinds of contractors and architects there are, especially contractors. You know, if you're doing a project where you want crown molding, you're going to have built-in bookshelves and things like that, you want to hire somebody and know that that's the kind of work they've done and that's the kind of work they like to do. Because mm. there might be other guys that are better at simpler projects, you know, just a simple, say, bedroom where there's not a lot of detail. They just want to put the walls up you know, do the flooring and get out of there. So just ask the right questions and learn about them. The most important thing hiring any of those professionals is you want to make sure you can communicate well with them, that their style matches yours and that you like them. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them. <laughs> That's <for laughs> and I sure. think the other thing is just learn as much as you can about the whole process. It's almost like learning a new language. There's terms you're not going to know. There'll be some things you'll be familiar with. But if you know what to expect along the line, I just think it'll make it a lot easier process. And it's a really exciting process to see your ideas come to life. So that, that's my whole mission is for everyone to enjoy it. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's so important, you know, because if you fall out of love with it in the process, you're living in that home afterwards and you don't want it to be sort of a constant memory of, you know, the failure or the frustration, but rather the joy of it and, and the sort of the victory. One thing I'm curious about because I've come across this, well, this is our third time doing a full remodel. Two of them have been major sort of combined restoration and renovation where we're sort of updating very old houses with modern facilities, but within the the structure and the design of the old. And both times the builders have come to us and said, you don't need an architect, I can do this. So what's your <laughs> response to that? I know you're an architect, so I know what you're going to say, but I'm just curious, how do you how do you recommend people manage that conversation? Well, first of all, I wouldn't go to a contractor first. No matter what you're doing, you know, it depends how simple. I mean, if you're just changing your bathroom floor, no, you don't need to speak with a designer. Like I said, I think they see so much more than you can. And even just have an hour consult with them to set you on the right direction. Contractors are amazingly talented to build things. I mean, they get, I'm amazed by them, how they do straight walls, everything's plumbed out, nothing's falling down. So that's their talent. I've only known one who actually had a design aptitude too, was very good at it. But for the most part, their job and their expertise is building it. You know, when it comes to design and, and flow of plan, I wouldn't depend on a contractor's sensibility on that. I mean, I remember going looking for houses to rent when we were in Monterey. 
and you find the funkiest things. Bathrooms particularly bug me, where you walk into the room and there's the toilet on the left or right. You know, it should be behind the the countertop. You know, these little sensitivities, a lot of them aren't aware of. So that's, that's what I would recommend. Just go have a consult for an hour or two with a professional just to make sure what, what you have in mind, you're going in the right direction, and they can probably, you know, refine your ideas a little bit too. So to that note, I mean, one of the things, and this is partially more sort of, I guess, an electrician's expertise, but there's other things to take into consideration. Of course, everything from acoustic tiling to, to whatnot. As you know, as we're becoming much more sort of connected in our homes, both for work and for leisure, what are some of the big changes you've seen that people need to take into account so that they're not sort of sitting in a home that is covered with wiring everywhere on the outside and you have poor acoustics in different rooms that you're trying to work in and things like that? What are some of the things that you've seen that we could incorporate into new design? Well, we hear that term smart house. And a lot of times now when, when people are retrofitting their, their homes, there's, you know, the certain cables and things that they can put in to eliminate all, you know, the wiring and stuff. But now there's so few things that need wiring. So much is wireless that so many systems work off that we just got an Alexis and I don't even know how that works yet. We haven't set it up, but you know, it's things like that. I, I know a woman here in town who has a company that can make your house smart, so to speak, <laughs> without any, uh, how can I say, special hookups and things and everything's monitored and controlled from an iPad. So uh, that's not my expertise. So I can't really talk to that area so much. But, you know, there are these companies like like hers that do have the ability to plan out your ho- home with, you know, if you're go- going to have a central speaker system for music or listening to the radio or streaming other kinds of things, podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> and those kind of things. And, you know, now too, for let's say window coverings, there's remote controlled window coverings for skylights. Sometimes you can open and close them and there's some kind of shade covering in those as well. So there's lots of remote things that that you can start working and incorporating into your home. Absolutely. And the other area that I think is really fascinating, and I'm trying to learn more about it as we do our project, is trying to integrate as many green principles as possible in the process. And in some countries, they allow, for example, gray water recirculating for, you know, which is basically the water that comes out of your shower, you know, drains from your shower in your sinks to be able to reuse it for watering your plants outside, for example, and things like that. Some countries they allow it, some countries they don't at this point, but there's a lot of interesting technologies that are being introduced, whether it's, you know, solar panel tiles and things like that. How much of that is something that you need to bring in a particular expert? And how much of that is something that you can just talk to your architect about? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I I was going to come back to that while we were talking about contractors. Because yeah, there are so many amazing materials on the market today. 
just from, say, stone exteriors, you know, people like to have nice decorative exteriors. So that kind of thing, again, that's where technology has affected us too, where there's manufactured stone, where there are panels rather than having to put stone by stone on an exterior wall. And again, that saves a lot of time. But even um, exterior finishes, interior finishes, you mentioned the green, you know, going from paints, there's, it, it's all about the toxins that have been in materials in the past. And just about every company makes, you can say green, there's a number of labels, there's a green label, I can't remember them all offhand, but when when you're shopping for any of your products, your carpeting, even draperies, the paint, just ask them about the least toxin material. Because there, if you walk, you probably walked into some homes or it happens, I think, more in commercial buildings these days where you might find your eyes itching or your nose running. That's that's the response from these toxins in the airs. They call VOCs, volatile something, something. But it can really affect us health-wise. So as you're doing that, yeah, it's good to talk to your architect with that. If he's dealing with the finishes, but even some of the wood, there, as you mentioned, green building, it's the sourcing of the material and how it's treated along the way into your home. And it's, it's a whole process and a labeling and, and handling that, uh, we'll say, makes it green. So you can be aware of that. And there's a lot of systems, too, for heating, say, you know, there's radiant flooring available, which is wonderful. That is something you can save something like 30% in your heating bills. And a lot of those modalities can just save so much money. In my book, I've got a little chart showing the difference, like even with plumbing fixtures from the old fixtures, if you still have any of those in your home to what the low flow fixtures are now. It's such great water savings on that. And I think what I worked out for, say, like a 25, 3,000 square foot home, you can save a couple thousand dollars a year in utilities and, and water bills and all that. So that's, that's something very interesting to consider. And also it's healthy. It's, it'll give you a healthy environment. So important. And, and uh, I'm going to take a really quick break to just mention something from our sponsor for this week's episode, because it's funny, it may seem non sequitur, but it actually, as we're sitting here talking, I'm taking notes on my little notebook here. And it's, you know, I write it by hand. And it's, you know, handwriting is a technology in itself. But this one's called a Rocketbook Pro. And what I love about this is I'm taking notes that I'm going to send to my builder. But this uh, Rocketbook Pro, actually, I just... Uh, I take a picture of it with the Rocketbook app and it goes up into my Dropbox and it's the handwriting recognition is already in there. So that's built in. So it's searchable text, but it also takes the pictures that I've drawn as well as part of the information. So my builder can get the notes that I'm taking from this conversation to sort of say, oh, these are some things we need to be talking about when we have our next meeting. And that, you know, Rocketbook, because I love them so much, I reached out to them and said, hey, I talk about you guys all the time on my podcast. 
can you set us up with a deal so that they can try this out and and enjoy it for a discount? So anyway, if you go to the show notes, you'll be able to see the link, been able to arrange a deal for you. And by doing that, you'll also be supporting the podcast. So anyway, I just wanted to take a little side note to that because I'm sitting here writing away all these notes about this great conversation because I think it's really important for us to recognize that there are these different tools that we can use that are sort of hybrid from the old way of doing things to the new way of doing things. And it's not necessarily an either or. And when you're talking about, like we talked about in the very beginning of the show, sometimes it's those handwritten things that can be put into practice even today in, you know, in a very practical environment, because it's quicker sometimes if you don't you know, if you're sitting there on site and you need to write things down, you're not necessarily carrying around your, your laptop. So anyway, that was just a quick note about just happened to fit in with what we were talking about with a, the sponsor. But I just, I, I love the fact that there are so many different things and, you know, what's the best way to, are there good sites that we can find out about different green building tools or, or uh, you know, products or innovations that are happening in this space? I mean, there's just so many different new innovations and it's hard to keep track of them all. And it's hard to understand what's sort of an idea and what's actually already out in the market and what also our builders are willing to try because, I, what I found is in our process of working with various different renovation projects is sometimes if they're not familiar with a new technology, they're like, no, we don't do that. And then it's hard to find someone that does. Yeah, that that's true. I think it also with them may creep into the liability arena too, you know, if they're not familiar with it, but still a lot, a lot of, I'll say more unusual or newer products they will have trained people that will install that particular item. So, you know, it's just a matter of coordinating with the contractor on that. So if that's something you want, I would say stick to your guns <laughs> and, you know, just investigate it a little more. It may just take a little bit more research to get the contractor to work with you. And yes, there are sites, you know, offhand, I, I don't recall what it is. I'll send you the link you can put in your show notes. But this one site that I have in mind will list the a number of household appliances such as refrigerators, washer dryers, dishwashers, and it'll show, oh, it's an energy star rating, which is energy conservation. And they'll go through ratings and talk about each one of those products. So I'll send you a, a couple of links, Heidi, that you can post in your notes so people can do a little research on their own. And can I just inter sure. interject something? I loved what you were talking about, your little technical tool there. One thing when we were talking about how to communicate on a project with different members of the team, you know, just iPhones have become so important too, where if you're on a job site and there's something askew, you know, you could take a picture and send it to the engineer or send it to somebody or the owner can say, you know, I don't know, does this look right? And send it to the architect. So just simple pictures like that are just amazing how we can we can work. Like I've been at uh, looking at marble slabs, granite slabs, and I can send a picture, you know, do you like this one or this one? And then we could can put a reserve on it right there. So just our simple phones have become probably one of the most important tools, everyday tool that we use. Absolutely. You know, and it's quite funny, actually, now that you say that. 
our builder, he, and this is for our project in France, and we're based in California, but we're back and forth a lot. And some of my clients are in Europe, so sometimes I'm over there even when I'm not with the builder. And so now we've gotten into a practice where we have Find My Friends. We're, we're all on each other's Find My Friends, so he knows what time zone we're at. <laughs> so that if, he's, if an issue comes up, he knows when to call us. Which, I mean, it's one of those funny little things that you wouldn't think that you would use with your builder. But it's important for, you know, if something comes up and it's acute, he wants to know when he can call us so he can get the quickest answer possible. And, I, you know, I just, I, I love the way that, you know, if you use the technology that we're carrying around in our hands, it can make our lives much simpler and less room for miscommunication and error. So very cool. Yeah. And that, as you mentioned, as the project is going along, a quick response is really important because things move pretty quickly. And if you, they don't get an answer, they may just go ahead and do something what they think is the best solution. And it may not be what you want. So as an owner too, you know, keep in mind that your participation is really important and, you know, walk around every day and make sure things are looking the way you do. And don't be afraid to speak up. It's, it's really important you do. And, Sometimes things may not be going well, you know, and I, I point this, I just talk about this in, in the book too. It's sometimes there's difficult conversations that need to be had. But the point is just remember that you're all a team, you know, you're all working together and everyone's got your best interest in mind. So, you know, having those conversations get over what whatever's going on, but just so so things can move smoothly and quickly and and you know just get things done that that's always important so key, and I think to add to that is one thing I've had to learn in my process is to not only have a voice but use it and to say no when I don't agree with something, so you know you have to sort of become a little bit assertive when you feel like something's going in a direction that you're not comfortable with. So exactly. That's so true. That's because in the sense you're the boss, it's your house and you're going to live with it and you're paying them. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't have to be in a harsh way, but again, it's, a, it's a team because it's got to be resolved in the way that it can, you know, because there may be structure involved, there may be plumbing involved. So as a team, you can resolve it and you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, before we go, mention, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, there's another interesting thing that that came about. I recently went to the International Builders Show down in Las Vegas, and they had a number of workshops and and lectures. And one that really impressed me, there was a woman who was worked with, well, she works with the building industry now, but had worked with the auto industry and some others. And she did, she was, if I say this right, a foresighter. She predicted things. and one thing she talked about was how we are so bombarded by so much information every second of the day. You know, we're on our phones, we're on our computers, we're watching TV, so much information, and our brains never get a chance to relax. So what's happening in the design world, she showed us a slide of a headset. And in the past, I guess they were multicolored. And what's happening in the industry now, they're one color. So your eye has a chance to rest on one shape. And 
I realized, you know, going around to model homes, the new there's a lot of new homes being built around here, and they have the models set up. And so many of them now are a lot more streamlined. You don't see that heavy European furniture like we did maybe seven years ago. Things are calmer, more streamlined. The colors are a little more muted with maybe just pops of color. So it's interesting how technology has impacted us in that way. I'll say emotionally because the design industry is is kind of reflecting back to us to help calm us down from all that mental energy. So I thought that was that was really interesting. It's interesting. It sounds very much like the Scandinavian design that uh, that we see a lot of in mm-hmm. in Sweden and in Denmark and and so to that point, one of the things that we've been researching for our home because we are planning on doing retreats there and things is although we need to have it super connected so that people can get their work done. And there will be certain things that certain times where everyone needs to be connected, but identifying ways that we can also create spaces that are completely electromagnetic frequency neutral and also the ability to, you know, basically not have a connection in certain spaces to have that quiet space to think, to allow your brain and your body the break from the technology and to see if there's ways that you can actually turn that off in certain spaces, despite the fact that it's an uber connected space. So I'm curious to see where technologies will go in that direction too, to really support better well-being as we become more connected. So. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I understand that that electromagnetic fields aren't good for us, but I don't know how that can be resolved. I know there's little wall plugins and, and other little mobile devices you can to supposedly counteract that. But to start with a home or when you're renovating a home, I'm not, I, I can't give a solution right now how to do that, but that is interesting. But I think what's happening also now too, like you were talking about quiet space and then activity space. Also, I think what's happening in planning spaces, homes and remodels is having flex space where one space can do multi different things. Mm. So that's coming in, in about and how different kinds of doors now. Um, I just interviewed a company called NanoWall and they have glass moving walls, we'll say, not just doors. So there's a lot of flexibility that you can incorporate into your designs, you know, existing home or if you're doing a remodel or new home that can help you with making spaces flexible like that too. I love it. I love it. And I mean, it's exciting to see innovations happening everywhere and, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing because times are changing and we need to move with it. So thank you so much for joining us today. Before we sign off, I want to make sure that folks can find you and find your work. And I don't know if you have any, if you can direct folks to anything that that might be sort of a quick tip guide. I think you mentioned that in in the green room. Just tell us where people can find you and uh, how they might get started if they're interested in doing a remodel. They can go to my website, Stress-Free Remodeling. You can write it in stress-free with or without the hyphen between stress-free. But on the website, there is a gift for you called Homeowner's Checklist. And that will give you kind of a flow how a project is meant to run and explanations of each step along the way. So that'll get you started. It'll get you 
learning the process a little bit so you can have fun doing it and a stress-free remodel. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Emma. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. And and thank you listeners for joining us today. It has been my pleasure to have your attention for the last, what is it now? I guess we're at 40 minutes. We had a nice long show today. It's been such a treat. And if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and share with others so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We've got some great lineup for this year and look forward to next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.